They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks in a trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up, iTunes? What is up, SoundCloud? It is the one and only Brotherly Love Podcast. Download us on iTunes. Check us out, SoundCloud.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita here with you. Johnny Meats, what's up? Have you recovered from our trip to Las Vegas, Nevada? What a crazy city that is. No, I've, I recovered. Have you recovered? That's the question. Oh, man, it was a long haul. Obviously, <laughs> I thank dear God. Thank you for letting me have all Monday once I got home. Because yeah. I don't think I was right until about Friday that week. About, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was. It was. You had like an extra forty-eight hours there ahead of uh, ahead of me, so you yeah. know you did some damage, my friend. Well played. It was a great time. Good to see the crew. It's been a minute since I got to hang with guys like Michael P. Hamilton and yeah. uh, you know see D. Bird from time to time. But Sparky Marky in the house. Good times. Ah, uh, it was great. And I met some Everybody. of the other part of your crew too. You know, some yeah. some big supporters on the B Love uh, podcast. I didn't realize some uh, some of the avid followers of the brotherly love podcast would be in the house i got to meet them firsthand and i uh, hope they know we appreciate their support absolutely yeah you got to meet my best friend Kevin from college that guy went out on a hike for everybody that doesn't know guy gets up on a saturday morning at like 7 a.m to go hike the hills in nevada god bless him. yeah he needs <laughs> he needs his head checked um well my friend it is uh it is that time of this year we we've had we've been what like a couple of weeks now really without a podcast so apologies for that but uh you know it is uh time to fly yeah baby football season is among us baby you know we're one day or two days away from football friday pal i know nfl season kicks off about the time we uh we post this episode of the Brotherly Love Podcast and then the Eagles in the nation's capital on Sunday, week one at the Washington Redskins. Uh, we might not be back on until after week two, so we've got a lot to digest, a lot to talk about. We will have a pretty cool segment coming up in, uh, or kind of a list coming up in a few minutes. We'll have our uh, five celebrities we would want at our bachelor party if we can invite anyone we want. And this is a topic you came up with through an Uber driver conversation. Long story, but well worth it sometime. Anyway, let's uh, let's delve right in. Eagles-Redskins Sunday, week one in D.C., or Landover, if you will. The Birds have lost five in a row to the Redskins. First of all, that makes me sick to my stomach. Was the last victory, was that the Michael Vick, Chip Kelly, Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, the, rap- the rapid fire? And I just saw, like, highlights of Facebook from that game. I mean, Michael Vick probably played one of the best games of his career, and I think you're right. That is the last time that we were able to secure a victory against that stupid team. Yeah. Six straight games, I noticed. I went back and looked at some of the recent scores. Six straight games where the Skins have scored 23 or more points. So, obviously, they've had the Eagles' number as far as 
the Redskins on offense and the Birds on defense. John Mead, a lot has been made this week about just how important this game is. You want to set a tone. You always want to start 1-0, yada, yada. But given the Eagles' first three games in Washington, then in Kansas City, very, very tough place to play against a what has been a perennial playoff team in the Chiefs, then home to a division opponent in the Giants. I mean, these first three games, you know, you can't call them all must-wins, but, you know, 1-2, and 0-3, oh you're buried. You've got – the Eagles have to find a way to set the tone early in the season. It starts on Sunday. How much stock are you putting in this game? You know, you hate to call it week one. It's a must-win, but I'll tell you what. I think they have to get it done because to go to Kansas City, and Kansas City's playing tomorrow night, and we all know how well Andy Reid does. You know, when he gets some extra rest for yeah. his team, he's very effective. So Kansas City is one of the toughest road places to play. So this this is a got-to-have game, and I think you want to set it up. Last year they struggled against the division opponent. Now it's time for them to set the, set the table and get a big win, and I think they could do that. But Kirk Cousins has been a killer against this team. I don't know why he's had so much success, but it's really going to come down to the pass rush and the defense. I mean – is this defense going to take that step forward? Are we going to get back to that gritty, hard-nosed, hit-you-in-the-mouth defense that we've been so accustomed to in the early 2000s? And, obviously, the maturation of Carson Wentz. Now that he has some great weapons at his disposal, can he take that leap in the second year? And I think it's great that he started all 16 games last year. And I think it's very important for him to get off to a hot start and if they were away, you know, they got to find a way to steal this division game. It's absolutely imperative that they take week one. Let's look at this for a minute. Early season, do you generally lean towards the offense or the defense on a, you know, take the personnel out of it, but is it the offense or the defense, generally speaking, the NFL that has the early upper hand week one? Ooh, that's a great question. Because um, I, I tend to lean towards the defense has the advantage because the offense is working through the kinks the plays, the personnel, the defense, yeah. you can kind of just go out and play football for the most part. No, I, I give you, there's a lot more game planning. There's a lot more, let's say, intricacies that the offense has to get right. And like you said before, the you know, defense can just go out there, pin their ears back, and get after it. Or, and, uh, I mean, I guess you could look at the flip side, and I don't know that I necessarily believe this as much, but, but the counterpoint to that would be, well, there's not as much tape early in the season, obviously. There's no tape. you got to go back to last year. So if an offense has got a bunch of wrinkles, and in the Eagles' case, with all the new faces, they might, personnel groupings and whatnot, and maybe they keep, you know, can catch the Redskins off guard a bit. These are two teams that know each other very well. Yeah. Last year they played, it was a very winnable game in Washington. The Eagles yep. just, they couldn't get anything going. And I think and the other big thing, too, is the Eagles have to find a way. In the preseason, they absolutely struggled running the football. Yep. And I'm talking about every single, not one running back looked any good. But I think that's going to change. Because I, that's the one thing about preseason. Like, you don't want to get guys hurt. But you also want these guys to get a lot of reps with one another. And it's one thing to get reps in practice and you're in shorts and you're flying around the field. But it's another thing to get reps when you're playing the game. And I think we're going to see. And it's going to be hard. Like Carson Wentz, he's got two new receivers on the outside. He's got, you know, a couple new running backs that are going to get some significant playing time. So it's it's going to be a lot to digest. But. It's a very winnable game for the Eagles. It's not like we're coming out and saying, like, 
you know, no one picked Washington. You know, they're not world beaters. They lost a couple people on defense or on offense, and they're a very streaky team. And we don't have to worry about Deshaun Jackson going long on us, so that's nice to know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I got, I got some, yeah. key, I got some keys here, and I want to get sure. your take on it too. You sure, mentioned sure. the, you mentioned the running game. It's the first thing for offense that I always come to, whether it's the Redskins or Week One or January football. You've got to run the ball. I think controlling the clock, taking their crowd out of it, keeping Kirk Cousins and their offense on the sidelines is a no-brainer. It's not breaking news, but it's going to be crucial for the Eagles' success on Sunday. The other thing I'd like to see, two more things on offense, take some deep shots. You know, you've got Torrey Smith with the speed. You've got Alshon Jeffrey with the size. Why not throw up a couple of deep balls? Even if you stay away from Josh Norman, keep that defense honest. Keep them thinking about the deep ball by taking a few shots early. And then I want to see 15 touches from Darren Sproles. If you listen to the Brotherly Love podcast, you know how I feel about the Sproles, uh, about Sprolesy, my boy there. It's his last year. I think he's going to have a phenomenal season. There's no way in hell Darren Sproles is going to retire on, a, on the downside, on a down season. I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl type player. I think he's going to be as effective as he's been for the Eagles in every facet of the game. I want to see Darren Sproles get 15 or so touches. Any thoughts on offensive keys for the Birds? I like what you say. I mean, all preseason, my God, it looks like they didn't throw a pass over 15 yards. It was just like... Yeah, outside of the one Torrey Smith bomb. Exactly. And then you had Matty McGloin. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I'm with you. You have to take some shots. Now's the time to do it. You have these people. You know, I like to see Zach Ertz, man. Like, when is the emergence of Zach Ertz? Is this going to be a year where he can play possibly at a Pro Bowl level? We will see. But I agree with you, too, with Darren Sproles, man. I love him. I picked him in 27 fantasy drafts. <laughs> he, he's such a crucial guy in the punt return game. He's an absolute game changer. And I think the Eagles did the smart thing resting him all preseason. Yep. We all know what the guy brings to the table on the football field. So, I think his legs are going to be healthy. He's going to be fresh. I think we're going to use him in the slot. He's going to be moved around all over the football field. And I agree with you. I think that's a big key. And the other thing is, too, the offensive line in protecting Carson Wentz. If they give Carson Wentz a lot of time to throw the ball and to look downfield, and when you're trying to move the ball or throw the ball downfield, you're going to need a lot of time. It's not going to be your three-step drop and get rid of the football. You're going to be taking five-step drops, maybe even seven-step drops, but you're going to need time. And the fact that another big case, Lane Johnson, as long as the guy puts the PED bottle down and stays on the football field, I really think our line's going to be one of the best in football. So that's going to be crucial as well, and defensively, okay? The biggest thing that this team does and what turns games is, is turnovers. If you can get to the quarterback, if you can pressure him, if you can cause interceptions, I mean, you look at him in the preseason. I mean, Michael Kendricks, my God. The guy looked like Your boy. an elite pro bowl. I know. Looks like an all-star in the preseason, then he comes up looking like some, you know, ghost linebacker during the regular season, or he comes up with some soft tissue hamstring injury. But, you know, are these playmakers? And I, and I love the Ronald Darby pickup. We've talked about it all along, like, the one thing that really lacked in this was, you know, do we have a legitimate starting corner? And when you're playing in the division with some of the receivers that they have to face in the NFC, Ronald Darby was a huge signing. And now you feel a lot better about that secondary because now you don't have to bring up Malcolm Jenkins to the slot position. Now you can let him play his natural position of safety and do the things that he does well. Those are some of the things that I'm looking for. Uh, I love the, the the thought process there, the praise on the way they handled Sproles. I kind of liked it as well, meaning 
He was basically in bubble wrap, and I, and I think you know at, at that stage, at this stage in his career, he certainly doesn't need preseason touches. Couple things for me defensively for the Eagles, they got to win the fifty fifty balls. Kirk Cousins is going to throw it up, whether that's because he's under pressure and he's got to get rid of it, or because he's got taller receivers. The Redskins have the size man- matchup against Mills and Darby, the Eagles' cornerbacks. Terrell Pryor's tall. Doxon's, uh, that young receiver's tall. They have guys that have three, four inches on the Eagles' D-backs. You know there's going to be some 50-50 balls. Break them up. Get your hands on them. Tournament interceptions, whatever. And then winning up the middle. Uh, the reading I've done or, or the some of the – Research I've done on the Redskins, obviously their tackles are their strong suit offensively, so guard play. The Redskins guards, not nearly as stout as their tackles. Timmy Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, pressure up the middle all day on Kirk Cousins, disrupt that Redskins offense. And last but not least, you can't talk about the Redskins and not bring up Jordan Reed, Eagles killer. You talked about Zach Ertz maybe having a breakout season. Well, Zach Ertz has spurts of breakouts. He's had spurts of pro ball play. Zach Ertz hasn't done it in September, October, etc. That's what separates the great tight ends from the average tight end. So Zach Ertz gets it together early in the season, puts together 16 games, outstanding. But week one, the Eagles have a hell of a tough time. Generally speaking, with Jordan Reed, they got to find a way to control him to slow him down on Sunday. I like it, buddy. I like it. And, and, and the other thing is, too, man, and Jim Schwartz kind of showed some of this. Man, he was effective when he did some blitzing in the preseason. Yes. Again, I know it's preseason, but did he not blitz a lot last year because he just didn't feel comfortable with his personnel on the back Maybe. end? Maybe. Yeah, so, that's a good point. You know, I'd like to see a lot more of that because if you're not getting home with your front four, you better bring more than four. All right. I, I am not prepared for a prediction at this moment. I will make one up on the fly. It will be the Eagles winning convincingly by eight to ten touchdowns. Your prediction is what? My prediction is the Birds. Went in the opening, opening day. Shocker, thirty-one to thirteen Eagles. Wow, I love it. I got seventy-two to four. Seventy-two to four. Their first safety is right. actually legit. Their <laughs> second safety is just garbage time safeties. Like there we go. Run out. Donnie Jones runs out of the back of the end zone uh, on a punt, and that gives them four points. Over under. Carson Wentz passes thirty-two. What are you taking? I'm going to take the under. Really. Because the running, they're going to run the ball effectively. No, they're not. Put the pipe down. I guarantee he throws the ball 40 times. All right, um, let's get to it. So the Eagles start 1-0, routing the Redskins. Then they go to Kansas City, get their doors blown off. They're 1-1. We'll be back on the air, and at least they'll be 1-1. One one. Uh, Mayweather-McGregor fight. We were in Vegas. We weren't at the fight. What would you make of it? Uh, the, the circumstance, the situation, the atmosphere uh, in the city, and then obviously the, the bout itself. The atmosphere was amazing. Uh, very surprised on how much Conor McGregor loved. I mean, people traveled thousands of miles. It was very impressive to see the contingent of people from England and Ireland to come to Vegas. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, that's a big trip across the pond, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and uh, and I was awesome to see their spirit. Hey, it was an entertaining fight. Uh, we had a lot of bets. We put a lot of bets on McGregor to win because that's the only way. You would have made anything out of it. But uh, it was entertaining. You kind of knew Floyd. It, it was totally his M.O., right? So he makes you punch yourself. He gets a feel for you how you're going to box the entire You know, it makes you punch yourself out. He tires out your legs. And then when it comes to, like, the sixth and seventh round, that's when he starts getting down to business. That's where he became very aggressive and started winning the fight. And then we all know how it finished up. Actually, you know, he ended up, they called the fight. You know, TKO style, McGregor, 
the referee just threw in the towel. In all likelihood, he probably would have gotten knocked out. But uh, it was very entertaining. It was a good fight. It's funny, McGregor, uh, Mayweather tried to put down a bet of 400 k and one of the local casinos on himself that he would finish the bet they bet in under nine rounds. Now, it did go 10, but, man, that is some shaky crap right there. Yeah, but he was. Anyway. He, he knew exactly <laughs> what he was doing in that ring and trying to bet on himself prior to. Uh, I'd, use exactly. the word, I'd use the word calculated for Mayweather. I just so calculated. Yeah. Like, you know, early yeah. in the fight, the announcers, even us watching, man, McGregor, you know, he's, he's setting the tone. He's pushing the envelope. And then four, yeah. rounds four, five, kind of even. Round six starts to go Mayweather, seven. It was like he, he knew the whole time. No big deal. I've got this. And I guess when you're 49-0 and going into a fight, now 50-0, and you know damn well what you're doing in the ring. Certainly impressive. McGregor lasted as long as he did, landed as many punches as he did, showed the chin that he showed as far as taking some blows. But I, I think the fight should have been stopped sooner. I know you think I'm crazy. Most people think I'm crazy. I just, man, today's world, with what we know about concussions and CTE, why why allow a guy another half round of getting bludgeoned when it was pretty clear earlier in that round that McGregor had no business still being on his feet? Like, he wasn't going to go down because he's just a tough competitor. He had three more concussions to his resume and about two minutes of Floyd just beating the snot out of him. Yeah, I mean, listen, he... You know, he gave it his all. You got to give McGregor credit. Yeah. Let's, let's give some credit where credit's due. To hang in there with one of the best of all time, to take the guy 10 rounds, I give the guy a lot of credit. Yeah, they could have probably stopped it a little earlier, but, you know, the guy's, that guy's a good fighter. I mean, I'm just impressed with how well he did, how long he lasted. And then the flip side is, too, you got to give McGr- uh, Mayweather credit. I mean, 50, you know, okay, you know, what did he tie Rocky Marciano for his record? Or- he broke it, yeah. Or he broke it, or yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. And let, let's face it, I mean, Mayweather has seen some of the really good fighters in the last, you know, 20 years. So, yeah, it was, uh, that was, seems to be Mayweather's last two rounds, but, you know, I really thought Mayweather would try to knock him out early just for the integrity of boxing to say, look, nobody can change disciplines in a couple months and then come in here and try to get something done. So, yeah, it was it was good. It was awesome. It was awesome to be there in that city for that. It was uh, it was an, a tremendous experience. All right, let's get to our uh, celebrity bachelor party invite list. Now you were in an Uber ride, and it was uh, your driver was uh, very talkative, and he started talking to you about a list of who you'd invite, celebrity bachelor party, whole night, and you were like, "This is a great topic," and I agree. So. Top five celebrities right now you'd invite to your bachelor party if you could invite anyone. You know, top five for me. Got to get C. Barkley in there, Charles Barkley. The guy just speaks his the truth, loves the party, tells it like it is, loves some Barkley. Um, he's been great. I would also go Shaquille O'Neal. Another time I've said it and be another athlete I would love to party with. Got to have a couple comedians, right? So I would go with Bill Burr. And David Tell, who's just one of the craziest, thirtiest comedians around. Yeah, yeah. And then the fifth one, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, do I invite a female oh. to the bachelor party? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, but you know what? Maybe we'll go one better. We'll go hang out with the, the lead singer of Pearl Jam. How about Eddie Vedder? Wow. So, All right. So uh, you got Sir Charles, you got Shaq, you got a couple comedians and Bill Burr and David Tell, and then Eddie Vedder. I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. All right. So here's what here's what I got. All right. 
Uh, I like the comedian route as well. These are in no particular order, but I'm bringing Dave Chappelle to my uh, celebrity oh, bachelor party. You would have been great. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wanted some type of hip-hop, rapper, whatever. So I could have gone like maybe a Method Man or Doctor, but I'm going to take Snoop Dogg. Because oh, okay. he's got a lot to offer. Um, yes, I, w- I was thinking of a, you know, I don't want to double dip on the comedians, you know, have too many comedians, but I was just trying to think of somebody that's kind of younger, hip. How about Aziz? Ah, Aziz Ansari. Yeah, like yeah, Aziz Ansari. I love that dude. Um, so I think he'd be kind of cool. Uh, and then I was, I was trying to think who, like, you know, I gotta have an athlete. You know, I don't want it to be an old athlete. I don't want it to be somebody I idolized back in the day. It's going to be somebody current, somebody that can get noticed like that. And I think JoJo is my guy, Joel Embiid. I'd have Joel Embiid. Yeah, trust the process, baby. Hashtag trust the process. Oh, that's a great one. And and last but not least, because of my unwavering love and support of the band 311, I would have one of those band members, and I figured I'd just go with Peanut. Peanut, Peanut, the bassist from 311, Dave Chappelle, Snoop Dogg, Aziz Ansari, and trust the process, Joel Embiid. Let's roll. I love it, dude. I love it. Great list, man. Great list. It's a great question. It is a great question. And how talkative was that Uber driver, by the way? Yeah, so real quick, this Uber driver, I get an Uber driver headed out to my favorite local watering hole. Start talking with a guy, picked me up, he was late, so he apologized for being late. I said, no problem, you get talking. And I told him, I said, oh, I can't wait to go away, man, I'm going to Vegas. He said, yeah, when are you going to Vegas? I'm like, this Wednesday for my bachelor party. He goes, I got a great question for you. He said, I'm going to throw out some names. If you can invite these celebrities to your bachelor party, would you? Let me throw out some names, and you say yeah or nay. He comes out with Bill Clinton, Tiger Woods, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, I was the question was fabulous. I get later talking to him, and his name is Justin. He's a fabulous guy. Turns out that his sister works for no other than the greatest basketball player ever to lace him up, Michael Jordan. He, she works for Michael Jordan. And I told him that about we have this upcoming wedding and everything that's going on. He said, tell you what. He's like, my sister, you know, she's able to do some things. How about you and your fiancé pick out a pair of Air Jordans you want and the size you want. And I'll send them to you as a wedding gift. How cool was that? Damn. This guy's the man. America's, yeah, America's favorite guest, Joe. Did you give him five, <laughs> Did you give him five stars? <laughs> the healthy tip, baby. No doubt. Healthy no doubt. tip and five stars? Yeah, you got to take care of the peeps, man. got to take care of the peeps. All right, all right. All right, brother. Always nice catching up with you. We'll get back at it in a couple weeks at the latest. Absolutely. Go Dude, birds, go birds. You got it, buddy. Best of luck to you in your upcoming hockey season. Too, That's right. Yeah, well. it's, it's the frozen pucks right around the corner. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. For John Mead and Joe O'Donnell next time, we'll see Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 